Good morning, everybody. I know you thought you dodged the bullet. Maybe Greg's not showing up this morning. Just pushing the envelope as far as I can. How late can I actually show up and it not be time for church yet? So, Jesus, we just thank you for this morning, uh, for this place to gather, for your people, for your word. And Lord, today what we pray is that you would plant it deep in our hearts and uh, that you would get the increase and cause it to grow in us and to uh, bring us to that place of being all that you would have us to be in you. God, that you would shine through us to this world. God, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Go with me to Galatians 5. So I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about liberty today. It's a grand word. Um. And I want to talk about it from a couple of different angles, um, you know, because of course liberty is is freedom, right? You know, and uh, um, so, you know, here in, in five, um, you know, Paul talks about uh, liberty in the sense of being freed from from the law, freed from the the uh, uh, having doing the law be your righteousness, and uh, and that's an important thing, and I want to talk about that some. I also want to talk a little bit about um, how uh, liberty has a responsibility with it as well, and and how uh, there's a great deal of difference between liberty and anarchy. So. Um, <laughs> So in 5, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So, you know, of course, Paul told us before, he told the Romans that, um, I think, that it was, uh, or maybe it was the Galatians, that uh, Christ is the uh, the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So, uh, of course, him that, uh, you know, if you're going to do the law, then that's going to be your thing. If that's going to be the where you've cast your lot for your righteousness, then you can't have it both ways, essentially, is what he says. You can't have your righteousness be uh, based on your works and, and, then, and also have it on Christ. It has to be one or the other. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of us get squidgy because... Um, because it's easy to take that sense of, well, my righteousness isn't based on my actions, and kind of just live however you like. Uh, for years, I, I lived in this this uh, illusion, um, uh, and I don't know where this comes from, but I heard this really interesting thing once, uh, some idea called the permissible will of God. <laughs> it's like, well, God didn't tell me I couldn't. God didn't say no. Well, that's because you were walking around like, ah, bah, bah. <laughs> so, it's like, well, why didn't you ask me? Well, because I knew you'd say no. <laughs> right? I, I think we all did that. You know, it's like you kind of, 
as you grow up, you sort of gauge your parents. It's like, okay, if I ask mom, this might turn out all right. If I ask dad, this is going to be a definite no. If I don't ask anybody, <laughs> then it's going to be yes. Like, I told myself yes. So, and I lived there for a really long time. I kind of just did whatever I wanted to do. I salved my conscience reading a little bit of the Bible every day. I would kind of skim across five chapters without really paying any attention to what I was reading. Uh, you know, first thing in the morning or first thing when I got home from work, kind of make it like my, okay, I got that out of the way now. Now I want to go do what I want to do. And then that's how I lived for a long time. And uh, then I discovered what a foolish waste of time that was. And uh, about the only real value I got from that time of my life was that I was at least reading it. And so I was definitely putting it in there. But I could have been doing so much more if I had simply been uh, taking God seriously, which I really wasn't. Um, so, So I had this liberty that, well, I'm not justified by my actions, so... Why couldn't I play video games for three hours after work and and uh, uh, read some Harry Potter and then go to bed? <laughs> That's how I lived. And uh, um, there was uh, this service that uh, some of you may remember. It's been about nine years ago now, probably. That uh, those of us who were there, you know, it's like war veterans. <laughs> it's like it's like I was there. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I like people that can enjoy life, you know. I, um, uh, whenever I go to the old folks' home, you know, I sing some songs, then I unplug my guitar and put it down so it doesn't feed back. But when I unplug it, it's always like, poof, like sounds like a gunshot. One time, just without thinking, kind of to myself, I was like, ah, man, I was putting my guitar down. <laughs> and this little old guy is sitting out there, and he's like, hey. <laughs> Like awesome, like that guy must have been in the army. So, <laughs> but uh, no, but there was this service, you know, and many of us that were there refer to it as the machine gun service because it was the most horrible, awkward thing ever, and the presence of God would not settle at all. And Ron got up here and pretty much just sprayed everybody with this machine gun of the Word of God, and and yes, that's what I said. Uh, Ouch. But I was really glad. I mean, I went home and uh, took my stack of Harry Potter books out to the dumpster, threw them away. Took my stained, my Linkin Park CDs, threw them out. (laughs) Yes, yes. Like I said, it was a long time ago. And, and, you know, various other things. My, my uh, collection of movies got a little slimmer. My collection of CDs got a little slimmer. My books got a little slimmer. And I got rid of all this stuff. And I was so glad. I mean, I was so relieved. I mean, I couldn't wait to get home and get rid of this stuff. It's like, I'm sitting here talking to people after church. I'm thinking, man, I got all this stuff at home. It's like, it's just it's infecting my house. i got to get rid of this stuff. I don't know. So... Oh, so so liberty has responsibility with it then too. You can't just live as you wish. That that's not what liberty means. Um, 
And so the I think the thing to understand about about what he's saying here in verse one uh, it says, stand fast in liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I mean, he's talking about don't 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 get tangled up with your works being how you're okay with God. Uh, and the reason I said before that this is where we get a little squidgy sometimes is because um, your righteousness is by faith. Faith in the blood, faith in his merit, faith in what he did at Calvary. And not on your actions. That's not the same as living with right actions. They're they're two entirely different things. And so, because you can get to the pearly gates and, uh, you know, you lived a good life, you paid your taxes, loved your family, never murdered anybody, and they still are not going to open. You know, if you don't have the blood, they don't open. And that's all there is to it. Um, But, um, you know, the thing is, is... God has an expectation that we live right. And that's what righteousness is, right actions, right? You know, I was I was talking to my kids, I was like, no, now do I love you because you are really great kids, or do I love you because you're mine? And Levi's like, You love me because you're mine. I'm yours. So like, yes, exactly. It's like do I do I love you when you're making me pull my hair out and you're not behaving as I would have you to behave? Yes. See? I was like, see, that's the difference, isn't it? It's like I love you either way, but I have an expectation for how you're going to live and uh and I'm teaching you how to do it and you're doing it in flying colors. So um so that's the thing about liberty though, you know. I mean uh I hate to reference Spider-Man, but it's like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. With great liberty comes responsibility, right? So, you know, uh, when I was a kid, I couldn't wait to be a grown-up. It's like, man, I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to be grown-up. do whatever I want. And then I grew up and I was like, I can't do whatever I want because I'm broke. (laughs) Dang it. It's like, that didn't work out like I thought it would at all. I heard this great thing the other day. It's like, you know, if it cost me 50 cents to get around the world, I didn't have enough to get out of sight. <laughs> like, I've been there. But uh, but no, then I grew up and I had all these, you know, there's those times that you kind of look back to your childhood with longing. It's like, I remember when I didn't have to get up at like 5 in the morning and then I didn't have to go out and start the car and drive somewhere in the dark, work all day and come home in the dark. And, you know, there, there's those times it's like, oh, to be a child again, you know. You know, but then it's, at the same time, it's like you think about, well, but then I couldn't do this, I couldn't do this, you know. It's like I'd have to live under somebody else's roof, somebody else's rules, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's just, you know, eh, you know, the longer you get to be a grown up, the more you relish that sense of, ah, this is my house. You know, it's like, you know, we had the, uh, uh, had some some friends over last night and uh, somebody had shut the door to my office and I was going to open it just because I usually have the door open and I thought, 
let's not spoil the ambiance in Grandpa's office. <laughs> let's just leave it like it is. No, I, you know, if you, if you ask me if it's not a right angle, it's a wrong angle. And there's a place for everything and everything in its place. So, uh, so I was I was perfectly content to have my office undisturbed. But, um, you know, so so there are those responsibilities then that come with liberty, that come with being an adult in this case, you know, in that example. Um, so he says, "Behold, I Paul say to you that if you be circumcised, then Christ shall profit you nothing." For I testify again to every man that circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect to you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. So, of course, by circumcision he means the keeping of the law. And uh, so, so he's saying that if that's if that's your deal, if that's where you've cast in your lot, then Christ is of no effect to you. You know, and and people use this term "fallen from grace." And entirely wrong, you know, because every, you know, when you say that, nine out of ten people are going to think that you mean out of favor with God. And I suppose you could say that in this case, but that's not what he's saying in the way that most people mean it. Fallen from grace, as in your your. Uh, your standing with God is no longer based on the merits of Christ. It's based on your own. And, and so you're no longer in grace. You're in works. You know, to him that works, the reward's not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So if you're going to earn it, then you have to earn it. And, and that's, that's the, the standard that he set. Um, and why any one of us would want to choose that, I don't know. Because he makes it abundantly plain that you can't, you know, you you could try and try and try and earn it and still never earn it. I mean, if anybody could have earned it, Paul said, I could, I did, I had I had all my duckies in a row. I had this stuff working for me, and I found out that I was so far out in left field that I didn't know up from down. So, uh, so trusting in His merit and His grace is really the only the only path here. So he says, Christ has become of no effect to you, whosoever is justified by the law, you're fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. So, you know, he that's not the same as we through the flesh wait for, I'm going to do better next week. It's like, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to get all pumped up, and uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to pray the prayer of Jabez, and uh, I'm going to do the Daniel diet, and... And man, I am going to be as holy. I mean, come not thou near to me, for I am holier than thou. So we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness. And why does he say wait? Because you don't always see it. That's the thing about faith. It's the evidence of the things you don't see. And so... uh, uh, in Romans, Paul says that uh, um, that that he calls those things which are not as though they are, and so it's like he declares you righteous because you have put your trust in him, and uh, because you have accepted his his blood, you've accepted uh, his offer of free salvation on his terms, 
then uh, so he then declares you righteous. And you look in the mirror and you think, huh, I don't know about this. And so that's why he talks about hope, this waiting for the hope of righteousness. But the great thing about hope, and I know we've I've talked about this a lot, but we've kind of ruined the word hope over the years because uh, when you know when we say hope, it's like well I I hope so, as in this wishy-washy, uncertain. And, and it's funny because I still use it that way in everyday conversations. It's like, are you going to you know get that job? Well, I hope so, and uh, and all that. But what he's talking about here is a is a certainty, an expectation of good. And so, so he's saying, you know, through the Spirit, I'm expecting to see this in my life. I know it's already there. I just may not, maybe don't see it right now, but I have every expectation of someday looking in the mirror and he's looking back at me because that's what he, that's what he apprehended me for. So he says, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which works by love. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? So you could get, you know, there's both, really both directions that you could go in this thing. You know, uh, what did Jesus say about the about the the road? Did he say it was broad, or did he say it was narrow? That's right. So it's easy to be on the broad road. Um, you know, there's uh, you can really kind of weave all around and play bumper cars and never really hit the rails. Just run into other people. You know, the narrow road, you kind of have to stay in between the lines. And so uh, that's the thing about this narrow road and about uh, obeying the truth because, uh, you know, it's not even about I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to do this. I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to do this right because then you're you're going right back into that uh that place of uh, being in the circumcision again. But uh, when, you, uh, when you understand that, that God has given you his righteousness and, and, that he, and you really recognize what he has rescued you from, then you just get happy with him, you know? And, and you, you want to live in a way that would be pleasing to him. Uh, you know, there's when you when you fall in love with somebody, you you want you start making changes in in your life on purpose because you want them to be happy with you. And if they don't like that, uh, then it's it's going to have to go away. Even if it's you know, it's like I have to sell the hunting dogs and get rid of my my motorcycle and everything else. It's like, dang it! It's like, but 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 they're worth it. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> um, it's funny because, you know, Cynthia and I have been married for a really long time. And uh, somehow or other, I was talking with somebody recently about the infamous hat. Those of you who have known me since high school know the hat. And uh, I don't remember who I was talking to. Somebody who is not familiar with the hat. And uh, they were like, I'd really like to see a picture of that. I was like, I know, I, 
I don't have one. <laughs> so, so this came up in conversation at my parents' house last weekend, and so my mom gets out this big tub of pictures, and we dug through all these pictures. There was all these. I wondered how my mom got all these pictures of Jeremy that were labeled like 1984 and stuff, but. Um, Eventually, after like about an hour of flipping through pictures, she's like, aha! <laughs> and she had two different shots from my senior pictures. One with the hat, one without the hat, where I was really rocking the helmet head. And, uh, and I, and I had this, I had this sparkly blue smiley face earring, about the size of a quarter, <laughs> like a dangly thing, right? Just on the one side, of course, because it was the 90s, and that's how, you did, that's how we rolled back then, and uh, uh, you know, what fruit had you in those things wherever you're now ashamed? <laughs> No, but, um, and the whole reason I brought that up, uh, is because, um, even, you know, after I kind of moved away from that look, um, I, I, you know, in my early 20s, I used to, like, bleach my hair, and I, I still kind of wanted to have an earring, but I was like, eh, you know. But Cynthia's not, not really into the dudes wearing earrings thing. So, um,. <laughs> So did I ever get another earring? No. No, I did not. We were, we were just talking last night about uh, the, uh, uh, back about 18, 19 years ago, 20 years ago perhaps, how Cynthia's mom was like, I'm so glad that my daughters are not interested in those boys. <laughs> Ta-da. <laughs> Who's laughing now? But, <laughs> no, um, no, but so you know, I I changed things because I I met her. Um, I I changed the way I talked, changed the way I acted to some degree, um, and uh, sort of started acting my age more or less. Or at least tried to, because after all, it's like I had a, I had a, a young lady to impress. So, so when you love God, then you find yourself changing things on purpose, intentionally. It's like you look through your life and you start taking stock of all this stuff. Like, is this really? Oh, would he like this? Nah. Cynthia looks through her closet and she, she'll like this shirt, you know, and I don't. She'll just look at it and she'll put it back. Like, I really like that shirt, but I'll save it for like a day when Greg's going to be gone all day. Because <laughs> it's no fun to wear it if he doesn't like it. You know, and I wouldn't say anything. I don't care. But, um, but you know, she doesn't want to wear it because she knows I don't like it. 
so so that's the kind of thing that we do where we are partnership in this thing with God where we're cleaning stuff up because we can um, you know and there there comes this place where you know God brings you to the end of that it's like Abraham he had all these altars of all these things he laid down uh, and then then we come to this place where just like we were talking about last week, where it's like now there's no more altars, now there seems to be nothing going on at all. We're just kind of chilling out, and uh, and so God proves to us that that He loves us as we are, that He took us as we are, but He's going to change things. It's like you're going to put value into the relationship by changing things. He's going to put value into relationships by changing you. And uh, like that's the advantage of having a relationship with the perfect God. He doesn't need to change anything in Him. So that's grand. But uh, so He says here that you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Well, who told you that that God wouldn't love you unless you did X, Y, and Z? You know, there's. Uh, there is a church out there for just about everything you could think of that will teach you this and that. It's like, well, if you're a guy, you can't wear long sleeves. You know, if you're a lady, you can't wear pants. You know, and it's like, and it, it seems so silly, but there are you know, people that get really hung up on those things. Uh, or, you know, well, you know, you could be doing something that's, totally contrary to the word of god it's like well who told you you could do that and it would be okay you know so you have you have both ends of the thing here you know have you ever had somebody that they they come to you and say hey um i really wanted to apologize about x y and z thing happened the other day and you just stare at them like the, the what? what what are we talking about because I've totally had that. Con- I've been the uh, the the hey, I wanted to talk to you person about a million times, and uh, and I don't know how many times I had somebody just look at me like, "What are you talking about? I I wasn't upset by that at all, or I don't even remember what you're talking about." So it's important to understand. You know, is this something that actually matters to him, or does it not? You know, and and so that's where faith. Uh, in, in him, letting you know these things really makes a difference because if you just walk around wringing your hands, then uh, it's really destructive to your faith. And, and then you're always waiting for him to tell you that he's not happy about something. So, so there is a fine line between self-examination and going on a witch hunt. You know, we've talked about that a lot. Uh, because you don't want to approach self-examination with I'm going to find something because there has to be something dreadfully wrong with me at the very core. But at the same time, it's important to to be honest and and look and see. It's like, well, is there anything there? Uh, So he says, this persuasion comes not of him that calls you. This uh, little leaven leavens the whole lump. So that's an interesting couple of statements because he's saying you know who you know who who's telling you the stuff that would get you off that straight and narrow it's like that that doesn't come from God 
and uh, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, you don't you don't really need a lot. I've I've made bread a few times. It was, it was laughable, but you know, you don't need a lot of leaven. You don't need a lot of yeast. You just put a little bit in there, and if you put too much in there, then I mean, you're gonna have stuff everywhere. It's gonna look like something off of a movie. But um, you know, you open the door and. Out comes the dough. Ah. Swept away in this flood of dough, you know. Feel like you're on a... So it doesn't take much. So it's interesting how a little thought that this is okay, maybe it isn't. It's like, what does the Word of God say about it? That That's, that's what keeps you from getting off into left field with these things. It's like, well, I, I feel like this would be okay. I feel like it's one of my favorite like phrases to be like, you know, it's like that little sound it makes when you pull the record needle off while it's playing. It's like you feel like, huh? It's like, okay, well, what does the word of God say? Because that might be entirely different because we all, you know, we, we grow up different ways. We, we have different experiences. And so it shapes your sense of what you feel like would be okay. And it changes it to from from what somebody else might think. It's like you know, if, if you grew up in a uh, in church where they told you that you can't go to the movies, then you might have a serious problem with going to the movies. And it's like if I grew up going to the movies every Friday, like watching something wholesome, <laughs> that was a long time ago, clearly, then. Uh, then I'm not going to have a problem with that. So it's like you have to find, it's like, well, you know, obviously, you know, God didn't put anything in Leviticus about going to the theater. But, uh, you know, you have to go back to the things that God says about, you know, putting something evil before your eyes. You know, what are, what are the things that you're taking in? What are the things that you're, what are the thoughts you're entertaining? Because you are what you eat. And so your brain is what you take in. So you want to take in those things that are that are uh, from the Word of God. So um, wrap it up here. So he says, the, "I have confidence in you through the Lord that you'll be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be." And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I wish I would that they were even cut off, which trouble you. For brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. That's what I've been been saying this whole time. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So that's an important thing to understand. That uh, I mean, I, I probably could have gotten up here and just read verse 13, and you guys would have kind of got the whole gist of what I was saying. That you've been called to liberty, but only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. Um, a few more verses here. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And they're contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led by the spirit, you're not under the law. 
So, so when you when you follow those those promptings of the Spirit of God and you follow what the Word of God says, then uh, liberty is a really great thing. You know, uh, because you you've got these things. He says that if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, you know, there's something about your flesh screaming at you for something, and then you finally just give it what it wants. It's like a, a child throwing a fit. You you finally give it what it wants, and it shuts up. But then you've actually compounded your problem. It's like because now you're going to have to fight this again, but now it's going to be harder next time. Now because because the child understands, I all I've got to do is wear you out. All I have to do is outlast you, and and kids can outlast you <laughs> if they if they think that they can get what they want from you by just persisting. It's like man, they make great little salespeople. But um, so uh, it's the same thing by just. It's like well, just just this one time. Like, I'll just, just let this thing go this time. It's okay. It's the permissible will of God. God didn't tell me no. It's like, well, he said it in black and white. I may not have said it to you right now, but I, I've put it out there for you uh, from a long time ago. It's just there. And that's the same as. And so, having done that, uh, you actually empower your flesh to come after you again for this thing. It's like, I want this thing. It's like, oh, and by the way, how about this? You know, how about this? You know, and so the that you know walking in the flesh, um, you know, it, and versus walking in the spirit, it just goes back to the the illustration that Ron always used about the two dogs. Like whichever one you feed is going to be the stronger one, and um, so you don't want to make problems for yourself by feeding the wrong one. So and then. Um, here at the end of, of five, you know, he goes down through all this list of things that you can look for. It's like, so if you're seeing these things in your life, uh, like 19 through like 21, then you, that's a good indicator for you then that you have a problem. And uh, and that, that you're walking after the flesh. And then, of course, he talks about the fruits of the Spirit. We're all super familiar with that. And those are all indicators that things are are going a little better. That, that you're you're walking after the spirit. Um, and then uh, and just here at the at the end, he says in 24, he said, "They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, or the passions and lusts. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit." Of course, in Romans, he said that um, um, that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, so be the spirit of God dwells in you. So, so God lives in you, and you know by virtue of that, then you you walk in the spirit, you live in the spirit. But you don't want to use that liberty that He's given you to, you know, you you can't make that scripture a loophole of well I could just do whatever, because that that's not how God would have us to live. So Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Uh, God, plant these things in us and uh, make them real to us, Lord God. I pray that that Your Word would would grow in us, Lord, and uh, that we would find ourselves walking more in the Spirit.
and uh, more and more taking the things that the that the flesh would demand of us and and uh, leaving them by the wayside. Uh, God, I just pray that you would cause that love for you to grow inside of every one of us. God, I'm not satisfied with the the uh, the measure that I love you with, God, and I want more. And I pray that you would put that in me. God, in every person in this place that's asking for it, God, I just I pray that you would put us in those places uh, where we we have a, a choice to obey you or not, Lord, so that we could uh, obey you and that we could choose you and grow in you and that these things could uh, come to fruition in our life. God, we pray it in your name. God, today... I just pray for your presence to have perfect liberty in this place to do exactly what you want to do. God, you know every heart. You know every need. God, and we've come to this place not because it's Sunday morning, but because we have come with an expectation of meeting you here and receiving something from your hand. And God, today, um, every heart that's uh, reaching out to you, needing something, God, uh, even if we don't know what it is, that you know what that something is. And we just pray that you would uh, work these things out perfectly as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.